0: Cool. I talk about this stuff ad nauseum. And so if you find <laughs> that I am going long, please interrupt me. <laughs> okay. Please yeah, okay. interrupt me. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a charism of talking forever. Right. You're welcome so. to hijack, but we will interrupt you. Good. Yeah. Good. So uh, I guess we're going to start off today talking about catching foxes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: So you want to go ahead and take it away, Gordon? oh wait what the intro yeah
2: okay i'm just gonna edit this so that what we just talked about is after the intro is that what how we're doing this now yeah that's totally fine great okay
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> well, glad we got that settled <laughs>
2: Welcome back to the Christ and Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. And today we are also joined with a special guest, Michael Gormley. Or Gomer. I don't know how you would wanna be referenced.
0: There you go. That's fine. Michael Gomer Gormley. <laughs> yeah, you can say whatever. Nickname is Gomer. Friends call me Gomer. No. Gomer. Mom calls me Michael. There you go. There you go. Yeah. My little name is Michael. Ooh. Take that. Why is it in the middle? PG. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I so, apologize to your listeners. <laughs> it's, it's all okay. good.
1: Yeah. So we actually one random <laughs> thing we always do at the beginning is because our show typically talks about like media and different forms right. of media. Just like a catch up on like what you're intaking right now, other than this book, obviously. But yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So you want is is, is this a show? Uh, um, Gordon, Gordon's going to go. We're not in one of the...
2: I, I wish, but we actually have like a little intro. Ooh, yeah, let's
1: here. We have blooper takes, so oh.
0: not like that well, kind of intro. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, here we are. are. <laughs> here we are. This is it. Yeah. No, uh, I'm a I'm a big audiobook guy. You guys, audiobook guys? I don't.
2: How do you do? You pay for like the
0: yeah yeah yeah. I do uh, an Audible subscription. I've been doing it for like when I have the, money, the then I would love to be an audiobook. Guy. That that missionaries
1: don't have <laughs> use use currency is that a thing i can get on the internet for free <laughs> like bitcoins or something like that
0: yeah yeah no i'm a big audiobook yeah uh, yes that's how i got all my audiobooks when i was in my 20s <laughs> my friend bit doran um there, yeah but no i uh i'm a big audiobook guy because ever since i was growing up audio was my thing and so when i was in sixth grade my parents discovered scott hahn Mm-hmm. And they would get his audio cassette tapes, and I would listen to all of them for hours and hours. I would listen to them since I was in junior high. So, yeah, I love that stuff. So I just kind of train my brain to be wired that way. Obviously, sitting down with the book, you get a lot higher comprehension, but I also listen to everything at like, it's anywhere from 1.5 to double speed. So <laughs> I'm, I, I had just listened to a book called Shop Class at Soulcraft by a guy named Matthew Crawford. Awesome book. Awesome book, highly recommended. And then I followed that up with I'm almost done with Nick Offerman, who played Ron Swanson. Yeah, his book is called Good, Clean, Fun, and it's about woodworking. Okay, yeah. Nice. So I'm trying to get into woodworking. That's like my thing right now, and I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Hawk, one of the other missionaries, he just started whittling.
2: Nice. He just bought some stuff over like December, and he's been whittling (laughs) stuff.
0: Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, I I got like uh, table saws and miter saws, and I was not raised. My dad knows none of that stuff. I have no skills in it. I get really frustrated with fractions. So you can (laughs) like, oh, that's uh, three-eighths of an inch. And I'm like, what the? If we just went metric, we could just do decimals. I can do decimals, Yeah,
1: but no. Were you ever in Cub Scouts or anything? No. No? No. So there's the nefarious, like, the car race, right? Oh, yeah. Like, the wooden cars, and you have to, like, shape them and everything. It was always such a big deal. Like, my brothers and I took it super seriously, but we never actually built our cars. So, like, Dad (laughs) did all of the actual woodworking and cutting, never touched it until we got to, like, the painting stage. It was the biggest joke. (laughs) But we won every year. Every year we won the race. That's what it was about. I did it once, and I was just
2: lazy. So, I I shaped my car after, like, the bullet from Mario Party.
0: Nice. Bullet Bill.
2: Yeah. So, it was very easy because it was just, like, one curved shape. Rather than like yeah. the windshield and the back seat and all that, it was just it was like a bullet.
0: So. <laughs> Turns out it's a good shape. <laughs> <Turns out. laughs>
1: so I, I realized I think it was my kindergarten year of doing the race. They actually paid to the winners, so oh. I got like twenty bucks. I was oh. five years old, and I was like, "This is the biggest deal ever." And so ever since then, I was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna get paid." <laughs>
0: For 20 something bucks I'm to not paint a car <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> nice. 20 bucks to paint a car that's a good paint job going what have you been taking in a lot of new music just came out recently
2: like actually as of yesterday so this band called the lespool linen delirium clay what? of
0: course no not the lespool
2: <laughs> the les claypool delirium it's basically les claypool and then john lennon's son made like a super group and they came up with an album, like, two years ago. It's really weird, but it is really good stuff. It's very, like, Pink Floyd and meets, okay. like, John Lennon's brain. <laughs> so I like that a lot. And so they came up with a new album, I'm listening to it, and it's really good. And then I've just still been playing Zelda, still, Breath of the Wild, <laughs> on, on my new Switch.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. You get, you get about 80 up. more hours of gameplay on that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've already awesome. beaten
2: it,
1: but I'm still playing it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. So, nice. Gordon's the one that's into all the weird, like, movies and music that no one has ever heard of. And so, that's where we get all of our, just, like, weird stuff.
0: Yeah. So avant-garde.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he's the hipster. He's the missionary, you know. Oh, hello. <laughs> I might have to turn my camera off from time to time. I have 4,000 <laughs> kids in the other side <laughs> It's all good. Yes. So to be honest, as far as like taking in new stuff, this book is literally all I've done in like the last 10 days. <laughs> You've so, it. I love it. Yeah. But dude, look at these, these notes. Oh, I don't know oh if you can even gosh. see them here, but nice. I was, I was going at it. So I know when, when we first talked about like what we we're going to talk about on the show, you asked if I'd even heard of this book. So for those of you listening, it's Christ and culture. I don't even know if I can
0: say his name right. Richard, is it Niebuhr? Niebuhr? Yeah. Niebuhr. Okay. H. So, Richard Niebuhr, and his brother Nie- is the famous American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr that Obama yeah. like loved, loved, loved.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. They, they talked about him a little bit in the book, actually, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I realized about halfway through reading the book that I actually had to read this in college. Uh, in one of my <laughs> theology classes and clearly retained absolutely none of it because I don't even remember ever reading it. So that right. was kind of embarrassing. We were talking about before before you came on here like we should have had you introduce us because at this point, I mean if anyone's listening and doesn't know who you are, <laughs> that's just crazy. but uh, I, I think do. most of our listeners are pretty familiar with who you are at this point from catching foxes and, and stuff like that. But uh, I just found out this week you're you have like four podcasts. so you
0: just yeah. started a new one with Ascension Press. every knee shall bow that's one that's been in my heart for about a year i have a co-host dave van vickle who was on catching foxes we did our most one of our most talked about shows i don't think it was the most downloaded because he was pretty early on but it's called perched like a bird i think it was episode 18 perched like a bird and it's the story of my buddy dave van vickle who does exorcism ministry oh wow Uh, and he's trained yeah helped to train like a dozen exorcists in America. Uh, I, I didn't know this, but so he had participated one when he uh, in a couple when he was in a covenant community, a charismatic community in Dallas, and somehow his name got around that he's like this expert. And so while he was in college, living right on the other side of the wall of my room, he was being flown out to like I think it was like somewhere in Florida to train their diocesan exorcists because so many Catholic dioceses didn't have exorcists because they just were like, nah, it's all psychological, and then. So psychologists are like we have no category for this and uh <laughs> speaking in languages they've never heard from and so he was talking about the whole deal with exorcism so but he's like you know what i really want to do i really want to stop exorcism ministry and just evangelize and i was like let's do that as a podcast and let's talk about <laughs> it instead of do it so yeah. that's what that's what that show is and it's sponsored by ascension press so i don't have to edit anything and then my oh, other podcast oh, nice. is called uh, beyond the bulletin it's just my parish parish podcast gotcha and yeah. then you have uh
1: is it amd gomer or something dude this always pops up on soundcloud like what is that
0: <laughs> yeah so soundcloud.com slash amd gomer <laughs> amdg is the household i was in a franciscan Gomers, oh, the nickname okay. you combine them god bless us all uh <laughs> but it's been my handle for like everything so i was setting up a soundcloud i didn't realize like that became what everything was branded as. And I'm like, Hey, AMD Gomer. I'm special. <laughs> <Pestle."> and then <laughs> Let you make 22. your first
2: email account. And yeah. you
0: realize, like, oh wait, yeah. I need to change this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> AMD Gomer 696969. And <laughs> hey, here's my job interview. Uh gonna have to get a new Gmail or something. <laughs> at AOL.com. Yeah. So but that the SoundCloud thing, it's not really a podcast, it's just a place where I upload large form talks that I give and Uh, stuff like that. So like I do this uh, show, I almost (laughs) called it a show class (laughs) called inclusion and it's for baptized Protestants who are well-formed in their faith. who want to become Catholic. I don't make them go through the regular RCIA. You shouldn't do that if they're already baptized. And if they're really well discipled, you should pull them out and kind of customize it for them. And so we do this class called inclusion and every year, every semester it's different and this year for some reason this summer i studied a lot of reformed theology i studied i got a couple books but most of it was hundreds of hours on youtube at at double speed listening to these sermons i consumed every which way of reformed christianity and then the crazy thing was that fall after that summer that fall my entire inclusion class the bulk of them were reformed whether they were former presbyterians or baptists or independents yeah. And so the SoundCloud account was just like, I'll record my class. I'll put my iPhone in my pocket, give my talk, record it, edit it, upload it to SoundCloud so that my class can have it. But then it's it's a whole thing where people who follow me on Twitter just automatically kind of tells people. So people are like, I like that podcast, but could you actually make it a real podcast so I can speed <laughs> it up? And I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> so I am going to actually do that. I, 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 I want to call it a theology of grace or something like that, a, a, a podcast of just talks. So I can, can talk, destroy talk Joel, Top talk talk Cast, Top cast. cast. Right, you know, you got all these Protestant theologians in the religion and or Protestant pastors in the religion and spirituality category, and you know Joel Osteen is always at the top, yeah, right? And yeah. that, do you ever look at the demographics or or, or statistics? Are you fanatical uh, about that? Like I, I, I did was when we, we first started, not so much anymore. For, <laughs> yeah, I only did it for the first like hundred episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, I don't do that stuff anymore, but. For the first 100 episodes, I was on iTunes, and I was checking the numbers all the time. And always, in religion and spirituality in the iTunes podcast, it's the preachers, right? These Mm. famous people with books and DVD series and all this stuff. But it's their Sunday sermon. So people all over the world are downloading this. I wish they could kick that out to a separate category, but they can't. When we launched Every Knee Shall Bow, we beat Joel Osteen, and we were number one in that category for four days in a row. And then Sunday hit and we lost, but, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. I took so many screenshots. I'm like winning, winning, winning. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Made me feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah. And I have another podcast called BeerMe.fm that I am giving away right now. We have three episodes. It was, uh, my buddy who runs a bar teaching me how to like craft beer. And he used to be a youth minister. Um, his wife used to be affiliated with Adore, the door, the Muckentallers, And so, um, oh. yeah, Angie is Angie's his wife and he, Joey is a buddy of mine and so it's BeerMe.fm. The three episodes are still there. We do a flight of beers, and each beer is a different topic. Okay. So it's a lot of fun there to do. speaking
2: but, more of my language, so how's yeah. that
0: going? Have you been Oh, uh, uh, we recorded – yeah, no, it's a year old, and we only have three episodes. So he's <laughs> like – I mean. hey, uh, he came up to me, and he's like, I think my other friend and I are going to keep it going. And I was like, okay, please.
1: Then I won't feel guilty all the time. Gordon, you and Steve – so Steve's our, our other host on the show. You guys were making some stuff for a while. Did that yeah, even we, go anywhere?
2: We homebrew, well, we've, yeah, you got a whole bunch of stuff to help us brew, like, from Christmas, but for some reason, I don't know if this is the same for you guys, the start of this year up until now has been, like, crazy busy, and so oh, yeah. we just have our schedules have not aligned yet. Uh, we're supposed to do it in, like, two weeks, though. We're going to brew two different beers.
0: Very nice. cool. Very cool. Yeah. What kind of beers do you brew?
2: Um, I've only done a few, like, easy ones, but we tried to do a double IPA this last time, and did it wrong like we went like <laughs> an all grain route which is not the way you want to do it because it's like 15 pounds of grain that we were trying to like steep in a normal like household pot so that didn't work No, you, we need like liquid malt so we're trying to we're going to redo that one and then we're uh, going to do we're going to do a sour as well nice yeah
0: nice okay okay yeah
1: i don't even know what these words are sour and <laughs> sour which salt, is why like, i did the
0: podcast that's why I did the podcast. The whole point of the podcast was like, I'm an idiot. I drink my <laughs> life. Tell me why I should like this stuff. And the, the running joke actually came from Catching Foxes because I said, um, Luke, Luke was being all like hipster and being like, oh, this beer has notes of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, you like beer that's sippable. And I meant to say, I like beer that's gulpable, but I said, swallowable, which just Ooh. sounds awful. And, uh, but it became this running joke. And so my buddy Joey's like, I want to teach you how to like craft beer and i already like craft beer but yeah just he taught me I, how to appreciate and taste and you know all that stuff so, i have that
2: passion too when someone's like uh, i don't like craft beer and i was like you or i don't like beer if they say i don't like beer and it's like you just haven't had
0: the right one yeah like, you're just a trash of a human person That's what <laughs> you. you're just trash get out of here <laughs> Spiritual, spiritually spiritually
1: uh, all right so uh do we want to go ahead and dive into the book i'm having fun Okay, sure, let's do it. Cool, let's go for it. Yeah, so basically, correct me if I'm wrong cuz I've only read this twice and the first time was a complete shot. Uh <laughs> but, but basically the, the book is breaking down like five typologies of yep. what it means to be like a Christian and like viewing Christianity and how it interacts with culture, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and so you you look at it from that perspective of you know, there's no such thing as a non-cultural presentation of the gospel there's no such thing as a as a transcultural reception of the gospel we always have to use words and language and images and thoughts and ideas and values of our own cultures as well as the cultures that they're going to and you know it, this isn't just for missionaries it's a way of understanding how we view the world and how we view christ and how we view christ in the world and so like for instance y'all's podcast i was listening to one on the dark night and you have all these things where you're looking at the, looking for the good in right. culture, right? So that presupposes that there's good in culture, in culture. that's savable, right? right. And so that's part of this dynamic that he looks at. And I noticed when Bill Clinton was president, but especially when Barack Obama was president, a lot of like religious conservative people would all say the world is going to hell, right? Like it's going to hell in a handbasket. You just got to withdraw get your people out of there and that is a view of culture as christ is against this culture got to be in the world but not of it and then you would have that exact thing swing when you'd have the other guy get in the office whether it's george w bush or or trump and they're like well who, who knew you know and uh, here we go god's anointed prophet is gonna bring <laughs> us all home and now it's like all of a sudden the culture is good and you know it's interesting dynamics to kind of it's it's really good. The typology is really good because it gives you self-knowledge yeah. and trying to understand how what you're doing, how does it relate to the goal, culture around you? Yeah, and, and that's one thing he talks about in the book, too,
1: is that uh, he has the five typologies, but none of them are going to perfectly like, like exemplify any of us because there's a few of the examples he gave for like one of the types that he also used in a couple of the other types too. So like St. Paul, I think he used in two different ones, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just kind of goes to show that none of them is going to perfectly exemplify us, but it helps us understand and like have this conversation that, that we're yeah. starting right here. So,
2: so one thing, and this i told Clint, this that I think would be interesting to like open with is obviously we have the word culture in the name of our podcast, but when yeah. we say Christ in culture, we mean like, more media-based culture so like mm-hmm. movies and stuff like that and so this book is also Christ and culture and so I thought it'd be interesting to like talk about what is culture like yeah. just that word and like where does it come from or what's the difference differences of culture because I think when we reference culture or Christ and culture in our podcast versus like you guys and Catching Foxes when you saw what we talk about Christ and culture it's kind of two different things um, and so just like, just the general of like, what, what does culture mean? Cause we haven't actually talked about that on our podcast before.
0: <laughs> Ironic <laughs> Christ in culture. What is culture? No, <laughs> let's drink a beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite understanding of culture is just, it's that, which is artificial, right. In, in one sense. So you contrast a forest with a garden, right. A garden is cultured, right. And because it's been cultivated, Right. So it's if you look at it, it's the thing that has the stamp of of human action upon it, right? Human intention, human action. The tools that we make, the ideas and presuppositions that we have, you can think of it in relating one culture to another, like I work here in in Texas in the Houston area, and so or I guess we all do. (laughs) And so when you look at Hispanic culture, Mm. you can see different divisions of of like, you know, it's so funny when you start working with Hispanic cultures in a parish. We have about 1,800 families in our predominantly Anglo, which is a terribly offensive word, but whatever, community. Uh, Anglo, that means English. Are you calling me English? I'm Irish. I'll kill you all. (laughs) (laughs) But you have this notion, right, where there's a conflicting culture, right? And so you have this Mexican understanding. You have the gringos who think, oh, well, they're all Latin or they're all Spanish. And they're like, like, the Mexicans don't want anything to do with the Guatemalans. Right. You got the 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 Colombians and Venezuelans who hate each other. No one likes Brazilians because they're Portuguese speaking. (laughs) Right. And it's like all over the place, Chileans and Argentinians. And and then you have the the rich and the poor and the rural versus the city. And there's all these different dynamisms and subculture. And I started to notice it when working with Adolfe Formation, I oversee about 35 different programs. Right. That events, ministries, weekly classes, annual retreats, whatever it might be. And you realize like you can offend people so hardcore and have no idea why. And it's because they have presuppositions, values, beliefs that are like an iceberg. And those things all hang out below the surface of the water. And you see, you know, sombreros and, you know, (laughs) Our Lady Guadalupe. And, you know, you see the externals and even just the stereotypes of those externals. And so we begin to form beliefs. And so you, you have a lot of this stuff. Well, to me, culture has always represented those conscious and unconscious embodiments of beliefs, attitudes, values that mm. bear the mark of, of human intelligence, whether that's a tool that I make in my garage or it's the tradition of going to mass as an Irish Catholic or, you know, whatever, right? right? The things that we honor, you know, it can be a whole bunch of different stuff. But then you have the notion of high culture, and that's really where y'all come in. I don't know if you call it high culture, The Dark <laughs> night. but the idea is it's the like the true thing that that represents kind of the best of the arts, right? Yeah. Oh, you're a very cultured individual. Well, Y'all are cultured, but in that kind of high class culture, yeah. So that that's really where I th- I think a lot of your all stuff focuses on more sharply, wouldn't Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's a, a fair fair uh, definition.
1: I w- I was kind of thinking the same thing as far as like the book's definition of culture is kind of talking about that broader the all human action yeah. uh, they they did a lot of contrast with the nature so i like your example with the garden versus like just the woods kind of thing because they talked about that a lot and especially i think in the types where they were talking about rejecting all culture so there's like two different ones where they kind of just like pushed away from culture altogether and they talked a little bit about just like clinging to the nature and avoiding the the sin of culture and i think it was it was like the fourth type i think which is the paradox one yeah 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 the lutheran born yeah yeah yeah
0: christ and culture and paradox
1: yeah yeah and so that one kind of talks a little bit about how we realize all culture is bad but we can't escape it and so we're trying to minimize the amount of sin that we have while we are (laughs) confined to that culture yeah
0: yeah Yeah. so for those of you listening if you picture a line and this is you know like all things it's a spectrum right it's very fluid Culture fluid, that's it. (laughs) Culture fluid. Yeah. So on one side you have Christ and culture. And Christ and culture is essentially that God is already moving in the culture and the church's job is just to find out where God's doing his work and just kind of join it. Mm -hmm. And the culture is inherently good. And then you come over to the other side of the spectrum and it's like the world culture is inherently bad and the Christian culture worldview is fugo mundi flee the world right get away from the world go amish push it away right yeah. um well you have the amish revolt right which is like modernism is evil there and technology is destroying our humanity which they're not wrong but this trying to absence themselves but look at the amish culture right they have probably the strongest culture imaginable they you know in, yeah. in rejecting the world they have hardened into right. this snapshot of you know pennsylvania dutch style which is funny they're not dutch they're deutsch anywho uh this, this snapshot of of a culture that's never that's not going to change so it's like there's that spectrum and then what Niebuhr tries to do is okay here's these two far apart things like we hate everything in culture or god is the one moving in culture and we just got to find out where he is most people probably follow somewhere in the middle. So then it gives you three of these kind of middle ways. The yeah. first one, he sees it as Christ above culture, which is like, yeah, there's some good stuff in culture, but we got to get rid of the bad and baptize the good and, and reform it. And he uses St. Thomas Aquinas as kind of like yeah. the par excellence figure of that, where he looked at Aristotle, incorporated it into an Augustinian theology, and then kind of mm-hmm. baptized Aristotle. And then you have on the two kingdoms view, which is, to me, one of the most bizarre views of christ and culture it's called christ and culture and paradox where it's like the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of god and they butt up against each other but they don't really overlap one's the kingdom of grace the other one is works and law um you're going to be an epic failure dominated by sin in one you're going to be you're saved by the death of jesus christ in the other and then the middle way is a transformationist model so it's like I'm going out and I'm going to baptize every value and turn them into a Christian value. So I'm gonna take over the Roman Colosseum and turn it into a place where games are non they're not uh, to make illegal mortal combat, right? the gladiator games and stuff. and I'm gonna transform culture bit by bit. I'm gonna turn it into a pro-life culture. That's a transformationist model.
1: Yeah, and I, I kind of going off the the Roman idea. so like even if you look at like some of the the Roman temples, a lot of them have been transformed now into into churches, like yeah. Catholic churches and Protestant churches and stuff like
0: that. So you see some of it there, too. Yeah, there's a great church in Assisi. It's my one of my favorite churches, and it's called Sancta Maria Sopra Minerva, which means St. Mary or Holy Mary over Minerva. And it used to be a temple to the goddess Minerva, and they smashed it and then built a Catholic church on top of it. Oh, and that's there awesome. it is, you know, or they ripped it out and put in all new stuff. And so it's like Mary as the queen who is just a mere creature in her holiness by being related, uh, connected to her son. She's conquered even the goddess Minerva. Mm. And there's something very real about that. Like the Romans understood the advancing of Christianity as something antithetical to their pagan empire. And yeah. they had to kill it and they couldn't kill it. Every time they killed a Christian, it turned them into a martyr. And all these people said, well, they're just dying because they're serving the poor why are you going so nuts? It's like, well, they're not worshiping me. The fastest growing religion in the first century was not Christianity. It was the cult of Caesar. Mm. Right. And so you have these competing worldviews where literally Jesus is holding a coin and says, whose image is on that coin? Caesar's then render to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Well, on the back of the coin, it said in Latin um, or in Greek, Caesar Augustus, the son of God. Right. Can you yeah. imagine being Jesus holding that coin? and <laughs> like, yeah, eh. <laughs> So it's fascinating these things,
1: Gordon. I know you didn't actually get a chance to read the book, but from someone who hasn't actually read through it, do do those five make sense? They do make sense. What what I've been
2: and this is probably I don't know relevant or irrelevant, but we'll find out. Is that I've been thinking about up into this podcast is like the other day I had Danny Seckford come and talk science and faith with. Oh, I team. love Danny. Yeah, so she yeah, came and talked. com. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She she's came
2: awesome. and talked science to our teens, and, you know, she kind of went over proving the existence of God through the scientific method, uh, which is supposed to, I think, be a video she's coming out soon with. And mm-hmm. she used one of the proofs of the existence of God through the fact that entropy exists. So, like, that things want to. Uh, build in destructions like a glass of water the water actually wants to keep expanding if the glass wasn't there it still wants to like grow to destruction and so like i imagine like a perfect world where it's not christ and culture but it's even further than that on the line and it's like christ is culture it's like everything's perfect and good but the fact that entropy exists it's just a if you just add time into the equation then it's going to be a battle between this nature of wanting to destruct and like the human or godly will like like i think that's where you can get uh, the amish like they viewed the growth and technology and advancement as possible like entropy and like evil culture and so they held on to where they're at now and not to fall and i think that's where this line can grow from if
1: that, that that does that make sense
2: you're yeah, making any sense at all? I think
1: so. So they they kind of clung on to like what was consistent and what they thought would be more secure. So as simple as possible, rejecting as much culture as they possibly could. Is that what we're trying to get at?
2: Yeah, because in nature, like there's this natural force where things want to naturally be more chaotic and grow in chaos.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I think of it in terms of like how you view the fall, mm-hmm. right? The consequence of original sin, right? if you view the world as totally depraved because of the fall, you're going to look at Christ against culture as the only thing that makes sense. And if you view the people with inherent optimism instead of pessimism, if you believe that people are basically good and they are capable of amazing things and blah, 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 then you're going to view Christ. You're going to be more towards the other side of that spectrum. So I think like a lot of American conservatives, I think tend to be more pessimistic in just their temperament about, you know, people being able to accomplish good things. And, and I think it comes from a lot of like how conservative Americans were all in on fighting communism, which tried to build the proletariat the like a paradise for humanity on earth. And it's like, that's never going to work because right. we're fallen. And they had the, an acute understanding of that. Whereas I think there's so conservative Americans, especially relating to someone like Pope Francis, who does have a very optimistic view of what human beings are capable of. I think probably because he has a belief that God's grace is operating in people even if it's not necessarily sanctifying grace, that we can build a better world. We can do better things. Atheists can partner with Christians to do something true, good and beautiful even if it's not fully in the name of God overtly, you know, under the the subtext it could be, you know, God at work. And so you find people who are like, what is that pope doing and you find the pope being like why are you so against the will of god and it's like we're just smashing each other yeah um but they also think about the first instance of human beings creating culture i shouldn't say the first instance because you have (laughs) man and the woman and the the first instance in the in the bible is them creating fig leaves right they Mm. sewed aprons to cover, you know kiss the cook right aprons for themselves to hide their nakedness from their beloved then god kills an animal and makes animal skins in order to cover them, and then boots them out of the garden. And then they have Cain and Abel, and what are they doing? Well, one, Cain is a raiser of crops, and Abel is a tender to sheep, right? So then you have this, there's elements of culture there, right? You're cultivating the land, you're cultivating animals. But then, after that act of violence, uh, I think a lot of people lose this this thread, Cain goes off and starts the first city. And Mm -hmm. in that city are good things. There's Mm -hmm. the people who make instruments, There's the people who make, you know, it's like all these things, a tubal cain maker of things of brass and iron and like all this. You have culture in this city, but you also have extreme violence. You have bigamy for the first time mentioned Lamech. I have, he has two wives and he says, I've killed a man for wounding me, a boy for bruising me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then surely Lamech is avenged 77 fold. So you see this like creativity, which is gift from us, from God, right alongside the demonic, right? The the satanic, the fall. And what happens is when we <laughs> when grace fails us or we fail grace, the demonic seizes that technology and that power to dominate others. When mm-hmm. grace wins and humility wins, it leverages that technology to help others, right? So yeah, that's right. powerful stuff. And and I think going off of that
2: idea, I obviously I think entropy and like the grow in chaos that being in nature stems from the fall but because of that we can like picture how the shift on this timeline of types of culture yeah. can change because if you allow the nature of entropy to take over more then you're going to fall down one side of the the line of, on on the scale but if you try to like you were saying about with Cain like build on more of the beauty and still focus on good things and i guess in a, in a you know one sense seek christ or something then you you can move up this scale and like That's where you can get this idea of change in culture through history or through time or through events like the culture before smartphones, you know, replacing computers to now smartphones being in the hands of like uh, children, like five-year-olds.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and think about the book of Revelation as one does. Uh, It culminates in a city it culminates in the new jerusalem prepared as a bride adorned for her husband descending out of the heavens and it's not here's the interesting thing it's not an earthly city going up to the heavens it's a heavenly city coming down to the new earth right and that is powerful cuz i think that has implications that would follow maybe more in line with a pope francis view of creation laudato si i'm doing this event in houston on laudato si coming up and my whole thing is uh, social justice and whatnot, but this vision of a theology of creation. But it culminates in the city coming down, this, this culturated thing coming down to humanity. And, and I think that's fascinating because I think so many Christians have this view of us going up, right? We're mm-hmm. these souls who are free and where the you know, bell rings and we get our wings and we float up to heaven and be with Jesus, whatever that means. And in the book of Revelation, the narrative is God is coming to earth. God's going to be with his people And he's going to be with his people in the city. And I I just find all of that so fascinating. You start in a garden, you end in a city. These are powerful, to me, these are powerful kind of things that are played out. There's another really great book called uh, Making Culture by Andy Crouch. And he talks about, like, the Christian's job to be engaged in the culture and to shape it. And, you know, in the Middle Ages, and the Renaissance, we were rocking it. And now we have WWJD bracelets. You know? (laughs) Right? Like... Like, oh, we used to dominate the culture. Now we ape it in our weirdo subculture ways. Like, oh, do you like Eminem? Well, you'll love Lecrae, you know, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I do Machico. like Lecrae, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Does that come down to almost like a,
1: the Christ as the Transformer? Like the fifth type there, where the, the city coming down to the culture to transform it? Or would you say that it's kind of
0: somewhere else entirely? I, I think it's somewhere else entirely. Because okay. like it's not the old Jerusalem turning into the new Jerusalem, right? The yeah. old Jerusalem is destroyed, right? It is the new Jerusalem, a new heavens and a new earth for the old heavens, the old earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I know that because I love the movie Titanic and that was the <laughs> line that the priest was saying as the boat was <laughs> capsizing and the sea is no more Then everyone. No, Jack,
1: he should have got on. He should have <laughs> yeah. got on.
0: Hey, what if we just take turns on this giant piece of wood? Get <laughs> in the water a little bit. I'll get in the. T- <laughs> but no, that so there is this thing. It's like God fashioned. I mean, God's the one that made the garden. Yeah, God's the one that's going to make the he, the new Jerusalem, the heaven heavenly Jerusalem, I, and and the foundation is the apostles. The names of the apostles are written on the twelve foundation stones, and all that stuff. So culture matters, you know, and I think that. But having podcasts like yours, which have an optimistic, like similar to what Bishop Barron does, right? He's like, I don't critique movies; I look for Christ and Antichrist mm-hmm. in the movies, yeah. right? But we, no, I'm not saying that's what y'all do. But there's oh, this we, ele- we totally no, dabbled from that. that a little bit. That's totally yeah. fine. it's just
2: Bishop Barron. I know has like critiqued some of the movies that we've found good in,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially Age of Ultron. Avengers: <laughs> Age of Ultron. He hated that movie. What was oh, the Shape wa- of Water? Shape too. of Water. Yeah, oh. he ripped
1: that one. We we did an episode hey, on that show. It's that a good movie. Fun.
0: That was the Guillermo del Toro movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little little bestiality for the for the oh, folks. Yeah. yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was weird for sure. Sometimes but. deaf women need to get their freak on. Okay, <laughs> let it be known. Just no. let her have her boiled eggs. <laughs> Lord, come on.
2: We, so wait, are we? like our individual person are we
0: outside of culture like is culture like a thing outside of people no one's out there's no such thing as a non-cultural individual right okay. all of us you know what's interesting the way a baby cries a newborn brand new out of the out of the uterus is the the cadence of the cry is in the mother's native tongue
2: mm-hmm.
0: right I didn't everything know that. so even that first mo i mean the brain is already being shaped by the culture that it's immersed in Um, blind people who have never, who are born without sight, right? So those who didn't lose it, but have never had it, they Mm -hmm. don't have images in their mind, right? They don't have these images. It just doesn't exist in their mind, right? If you were to take away hearing and seeing and speaking and feeling right, then you could have a non-cultural person, right? Because they couldn't be informed by anything, but we are, we're immediately informed by the language that we speak, how much cuss words your parents use, you know, like there's all these things. I mean, think about the Bible. The Bible was written, Nietzsche has this famous rip against the Bible, and it says, it's a shame that when God spoke to humanity, he only spoke Greek and didn't speak it better. (laughs) Kind of knocking on the New Testament, even though St. Luke's Greek is perfect. (laughs) When When you think about it this way, I think part of our racism that's involved in America and in the West is because at one point with the Enlightenment, we viewed, everyone um, after the fall of religious unity ran to philosophy. They're like, philosophy will unite us. So you have the rise of Immanuel Kant and Kantianism and all these different people coming up with their own systems of philosophy. And they all immediately, bro- they started broken, right? <laughs> they, all, they all fought each other. But their whole idea was to recover some sort of unifying principle that could bring us all together. And they couldn't do it. But their idea was, we are the rational, enlightened person. And I think really for a a lot of them, they thought they weren't just getting to, this wasn't a a German culture, a Prussian culture, a French culture. They thought that they were actually tapping into reason as such, right? Or culture as such. So everything that's not white culture is defective in some way. You know, you're a savage, you're a barbarian, whatever. Mm. And every culture kind of thinks that of itself. But I think it was taken to a new degree that we haven't even begun to be healed from in our minds at all, at all, at all. I mean, computer Mm. programmers, they're finding that they're writing their biases into the computer programming accidentally. So you have literally AI that's being developed that, like, AI that'll only pick men as candidates for a job X, Y, and Z that scans thousands of resumes. And, you know, you start to find these crazy reports. You're like, it's just ones and zeros. They were supposed to save us from ourselves. (laughs) But (laughs) no, everything is
1: culture. That's insane.
2: Have we ever seen a movie where the robots end up saving us from ourselves no oh yeah it's interesting actually people that are getting like like technology degrees they've found that like technology advances far quicker than they're able to finish their degree so by the time they get their degree
1: they're already like outdated i can attest to that yeah so actually one of my degrees is computer science and i could not go back and program anymore it's just once you
0: stop it's gone yeah, yeah. there's there's a weirdo inevitability to so much stuff that I don't think we understand what we're doing. One of the things I like about Ron Swanson's book, Ron Swanson, uh, (laughs) whatever his real name is, who cares? (laughs) It's Ron Swanson. There it is. Nick Offerman. Yeah, yeah. he talks about, though, that when you're woodworking, you're not getting into other you're not getting into trouble. Right. And it's this very Mm. interesting thing that I love. Like, I go to bed dreaming about woodworking. And I wake up, and I sneak away for a few minutes. My son had his tonsils out, and I had to wake up every two hours to give him his medicine. And I couldn't fall back asleep after 2 a.m., so I just went out to my garage for an hour and a half and did nothing. Like, there was nothing that you could say, Michael Gormley built a thing. I didn't. I was chiseling a piece of wood, and I was like, how do I do this? I cut myself <laughs> six times, and I had, I had no less than eight splinters in both of my thumbs. It was crazy. Oh, and gosh. the time flew by. I was at peace with the universe. Like I wasn't do, I was doing something real and physical that I don't do in my job when I'm clickety clacking on a keyboard. You know what I mean? And so much of, I think humanity, so much of our humanity is built on um, this, this experience in the world. And now we're abstracting ourselves with technology so much from it. And it's like, we, we don't even know who we are anymore. And I think that's why so many young people, our own age included, I might be a little older than you. Why we carry this constant background anxiety, (laughs) right? Like, I mean, people struggling with depression, white males in their 40s and 50s are the number one suicide group, but people everywhere complaining about this anxiety. And so what do we do? We don't turn off. We just add more. Well, you got to meditate. You got to do yoga, bro. You got to do this. You got to do that. Wear some tight fitting pants, right? You got to smoke. You got to do 50 different things. And the problem is the technology has outpaced human nature. And there's an inevitability that, well, we got to replace taxi drivers with robot drivers, and we got to replace truck drivers with robots, and we got to replace factory people with robots. No, so we're going to look around and everyone's going to be jobless Mm. and pissed and alienated from the world around them. And we've, you know, the machines have replaced us.
1: Yes. So we talked a little bit about how, like, there are, like, good things within the city, right, within the culture itself that point us to God. But obviously there's all this stuff that's too much, too. Like you're just talking about here, that we keep adding more and more and more, and especially over technology, over technologying. Is that a word? I don't <laughs> even know. Is uh, now <laughs> there you go. We're just overloading ourselves with this technology. So, like, where do we draw the line? Because obviously, we, we want to find the good in the culture, but we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to drown ourselves in the culture either. So, where where do you think that line is drawn, or is there a line, or is it different? I think it's just, well, I think it goes back to his, his, like, woodworking, because I was just thinking about this, even though
2: my example actually is about technology, so I don't usually play video games, but now that I've been playing Legend of Zelda, I think, like, Nick Offerman said, doing woodworking is keeping them out of, like, trouble or keeping them, like, stuff. It's same with that, and I think I can spend hours doing it, and then technically on paper and in the real world, I've accomplished nothing, but because... I've done things in the game that have like triggered accomplishments in my brain and I feel better. Like I'm getting, I'm actually receiving something out of it mentally. Whereas like a lot of the things I think in media or in culture that we can do and just keep trying to take in really give us nothing. And so we're just like clinging to the next thing because we need help with something or we're, we're, we're grasping for some kind of desire and, the thing that we reach for isn't isn't helpful
0: it's just the next thing yeah well when you don't have your own identity you have to purchase it over and over and over again so that's one of the big problems that we're seeing in our culture is you have to strip people of their family their upbringing their nationality their ethnic group right you have to strip them of that if you want to give them a new one through products that they're going to purchase Mm -hmm. right And uh, dad should not teach his sons and mom hurt their daughters and vice versa how to make and mend and repair and do for themselves. You should just buy. So shop classes are gone, right? All that stuff is gone because we live in a culture of consumption. But what does that say about us as a culture? We're no longer making things. We aren't even using things. We're just consuming them, (laughs) right? Like, if every country consumed... Here, this goes back to kind of the Laudato Si thing. If every country consumed at the rate of America, we would need three more Earths because we would have polluted the other two. Right? Like, we... I mean, just think of every single serving convenient package you get. Every single thing that's single serving, just to make it a little bit more convenient for us, is, you know, every Keurig K-cup that you're tossing in your thing, all that stuff is destroying our environment but it's cheapening culture where pope francis calls it the throwaway culture and i think that's powerful i mean pope john paul ii started this when he talked about the culture of death you know and i think it's catholics who love evangelization and love love working with teenagers and bringing them to christ sometimes we talk about cultural catholicism in a bad way and there is a bad way when i let the culture dictate to me what is my faith without my participation in it but at the same time, that is a transformationist view. Like a Mexican culture that is thoroughly Catholicized, or you go to Europe and you have these, even though they might not be believers, there's all these elements like they have whole festivals of handmade crafts in Austria called the Advent Markt, right? It's the market for Advent. And it's all this fascinating stuff that's bounded. And you want to sanctify time. And place. You want shrines on the side of the road. You want the Virgin of Guadalupe to be honored at the nation's capital. You want those things. But at the same time, it, it should be a call to personal conversion instead of it being like, well, it's just my culture. I don't really believe. So I do think all this mm-hmm. stuff is fascinating in the way that they interplay. But it is there is a transformationist model in it. I think it can be forgot, too, because we were at something
2: this morning with Cardinal DiNardo and naturally you know discussion on the scandals and stuff like that came up and what's going on in the church and he you know brought to light like i think we can especially for america we for, we can forget that there's other cultures and so yeah. he brought to light like the idea that like look yeah we can all be in agreeance on this and like the bishops of america can go and we can talk but actually when they went for this synod for a lot of other countries for young adults like they didn't feel that what's going on in the church and the scandals was like number one, like priority that need to be addressed. It was, it was like right, number five. three or five. And it's because like maybe some of the things that come out, I wouldn't say as normal, but like not as like zero tolerance as it is for us. Yeah. And so it's like, you have to remember there's like other, like, cause he also reminds us like the Americas or North America is like 6% of the universal Catholic church and so just remembering that there's other things out there and especially if we're drowning out our own identity i think we're also we can also be drowned out of like the difference in in culture
1: yeah yeah especially here in the us with the us supremacy kind
0: of mentality yeah we kind of block out everything else yeah because i mean most most of the other world doesn't have safe environment policies about children like i mean the the us catholic church really did address the issue of minor abuse in 2002, 2003, like mm-hmm. in a very huge way. And I don't think we understand how important it was because we're hearing about these abuses, but like Cardinal McCarrick, yes, there was a minor involved, which is always horrific, but the majority of his cases was abuse of adults, right? Adult men. And so when you hear this, it's like, we want to solve the Bishop problem and the, you know, The fornication problem and the affairs and the homosexual blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we don't even have anything about kids. (laughs) We don't have Mm. any protections for kids. And when you get, you know, and, you know, maybe I I really like what the Archdiocese of Baltimore did where the, the Pope said, please don't decide as a body until after February. It's the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The bishop there was just like, okay, well, we're just going to implement these things for our diocese. Yeah. And he has, it, that's not a subversive act. He has every right to do that in his diocese, yeah. right? He has every right to do that. And so as bishop, right, you know, Colonel Donardo could do that for us here, you know, in a heartbeat. So it is, it is interesting. Like we do have, <laughs> there's, it's a big freaking world out there. <laughs> yeah. And two thirds of that world are. They view family first. They are strict hierarchical societies. You respect your elders. Decisions don't get made that ruin relationships. Like, all of this stuff exists. And in America, we're hardcore individualists, egalitarians, right? We believe in meritocracy. You know, we don't care about our elders. They're old. They'll die. We'll get their jobs someday. And so you have this complete opposite view. But it's like, yeah, but we're one-third of the world. They're two-thirds of the world. Mm-hmm. maybe they're not all wrong in their cultural view. So, I don't know. It's 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 such a difficult thing to navigate.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> I guess looking at our like typologies, I mean, there, I don't think
1: there is like a set in stone right. answer. Like, right. No matter how we break it down and, and and I think the book said the exact same thing. Like there's there's no way to really narrow down like what what are we to do? But I, I do think we've made some progress on in, in, in like the yeah. conversations and stuff. So, I guess Gordon, do you have anything else you want to go with? I was going to throw out a challenge here too.
2: What is the what are the typologies good for again?
1: Like they're just the the for knowledge base of like being able to gauge where where culture is at. I I feel like it's it's like a conversation starter, like something like this, where you can kind of get these are some of the ideas that people are falling somewhat into, and maybe they're overlapping a little bit. But once you kind of pinpoint, these are the five kind of typologies, then you can have a conversation like, okay, what do we like amongst these? What actually makes sense? What works? What doesn't work? And you can hopefully start to piece together the way that we are actually supposed to believe or interact with with culture.
0: Yeah, there's a guy named Reverend Timothy Keller out in New York. He does Redeemer Presbyterian. And in his book, Center Church, he kind of takes these five models and graphs them into like four quadrants. And he talks about Like, there's different ways of relating Christ to culture. Like, if you really do believe, if you're positive about human nature and God's grace in the world, then you're going to tend towards the left instead of the right. If you're pessimistic, you're going to tend towards the right instead of the left. And it shows you that a lot of the things that we reject out of hand might not be because it's true or false, but because we kind of inhabit this model or this type of viewing the relationship between Christ and culture, the church mm-hmm. and the world. And, and then Timothy Keller takes it one step further and says, and you know, there are other ways of relate of taking this model and applying it. Like, for instance, if your culture is filled with hatred for Christianity, then you have a Christ against culture model. Your church will necessarily adopt a model like that in order to be like, yes, like in China, we're going to go save people by pulling them out of the communist government. We're going to pull them out of the pro abortion culture and we're going to have an underground illegal church in order to save their souls. Right. But if you're at a place like the high middle ages, you're going to view what's going on in culture and Christ almost as the same thing in a certain way. Right. And there's mm-hmm. dangers in that, but there's also like, yeah, what is God doing? You know, Pope John Paul in uh, the eighties talking about Christe Fideis laity on the role of the laity. He talks about like, look at all the world, this notion of participation, He takes a whole section of that document to be like, right, minorities are rising up in in countries where they've been oppressed, and they want to participate in the political process. Women, he has a whole section on women and their participation, all these people going against these totalitarian regimes of the Soviet Union and all this stuff, and he's like, look at what's happening in the world, and you could say, in a way, see how God's moving there. So there's this beautiful, like understanding like how God moves and what the heck is the role of the church in all this? Are we called to be activists? Well, some of us might have a vocation to do that, but Mm. what about the, like how much is the Catholic, how much is my parish supposed to get involved on border disputes and immigrants and refugees? How much am I personally supposed to, how much is the church supposed to affect politics? Where's that line? You know? And so you have people on the left blasting us because we got involved in gay marriage but praising us because we're sending people down to the border and condemning Trump and all that stuff. So it's like, and then we find ourselves partnering with the left because they seem to care about the poor. And then we hop on the left train and then all of a sudden it's pulling in a transgender station. And you're like, wait, how did we get here? (laughs) You know, what, what, what just happened? What just happened? Why is everyone having sex with everyone right now on the train? Right. And so the church is like, I just wanted to help poor people by having them not die, right? And all of a sudden, we almost be promiscuous. No, this is foolishness, right? So the church has to be conscious of this in order to steer the course and navigate navigate its way through. So that, that's why I think this book is, is pretty important for us.
2: Mm-hmm. I see. Well, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, you jack. E.G. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just figured out the title of this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, you jack. E.G. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I know you have to start wrapping up here. So let's go ahead and do a challenge, Gordon. Okay. Do you have one? I think so. Yeah. So, and Gomer, if you have anything to add on here instead. So we always do a challenge at the end of our show. So I'm thinking this week, basically start taking a look at the way that you're interacting with culture. Uh, obviously, it's going to be different for all of us. But first off, where are you recognizing God moving in culture? So where where's the good? And then also, I guess, what parts are you letting culture kind of take over your life? Right. So kind of like how Gomer's talking about going and doing the woodworking just because. Right. And just having that time to like step back from from everything else. So, yeah. So I guess it's kind of a two part thing. Where are you finding the good? Where are you finding God moving? Kind of like what we do here on the show. But then also taking that step back. Where are you overwhelmed? Yeah. You guys got any shout outs? Hi, mom. (laughs) <laughs> hi mom i miss
0: gorman hope you find your dad <laughs> uh no. you don't have
2: any gordon luke shut out no. just
1: kidding
0: shut out no. luke <laughs> <laughs> he's he no. garbage <laughs> he's coming down uh next week we're gonna do a an event in plano at prince of peace up there great church
1: yeah. You guys are doing the the live shows all over the place now. You have one up in Alaska in a couple weeks? Or no, that's uh, June, right? Yeah.
0: How awesome um, is that? That's so cool. She called me and she's like, I want you to give these young adult talks. And I was like, awesome. And she's like, we can't pay you a lot. And I said, oh, no. And then she said, but we got a deal on a hotel. So we'll fly you and your wife out. And I was like, that's awesome. So she's like, <laughs> Shannon, you want to come for a couple days to Alaska? And she said, oh, gosh, no. And I was like, okay, Luke, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the summer though too.
1: So at least it's not going to be what? awful cold.
0: And it's not going to be awful hot like Houston is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Humid. I, I do have a couple of shout outs I want to throw out real quick. So we have a couple of new listeners that have kind of just jumped up to the top of our, our listeners for the past couple of weeks. So Annie Rodriguez, and then I don't know this person, but Jared bear. So thank you guys for starting to listen to the show.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh, also,
2: Gomer, I know you plugged some stuff in the beginning, but yeah. do you want to shamelessly plug anything in the back end as well?
0: Um, you can find me on Twitter at LayEvangelist and I got a website, LayEvangelist.com seen by dozens. <laughs> and SoundCloud. I always like sending people to the SoundCloud stuff. That's me at my happiest. I actually am going <laughs> to leave in an hour so and teach, uh, teach uh, a morality class on the human person today. Filling in for a buddy's about, his wife's about to pop out, kiddo number four. Oh, wow. I probably could have said that in a nicer way, but yeah. Yeah. Shout out baby number four. Yeah, baby whose gender we don't know yet. (laughs) We'll let you decide. (laughs) It's assigned at birth, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's assigned by that giant PG. Okay, I'm done. I'm (laughs) not catching boxes. Edit that out. (laughs) Thank God for editing. We're good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you taking time. Yeah, I know you. you're super busy with all of your stuff that's going on. So we appreciate it.
0: Anything that gets me out of the office. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I appreciate it guys. Yeah, Y'all stay classy. Okay. Appreciate you
1: it. we we'll for your ministry. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Gomer. I know we had a lot of fun. Learned yeah. a lot because that man is brilliant, and he's so good at what he does. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that and, and got a little bit out of it. Again, if you want to check out that book, it's Christ and Culture by Richard Niebuhr. So go ahead and check that out. Gordon, you want to tell the people where they can find us? Yeah, you know where you can find us. We have a Facebook. We have a Twitter. Facebook and
2: email, both being the Christ in Culture. Email would be at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at on the adventure 2 all of that is always in the show notes, as well as our website that we just launched, thechristinculture.com, that has links to anything and everything we've done. We've done videos, we have blogs uh, that I'm actually trying to finish a blog like this week or next week, and then start like a whole series and podcasts, as well as our Patreon that was launched last month. I think we announced uh, something we've been doing for the first five Patrons.
1: Yeah. The first, first five patrons will get a 15-part Lenten reflection. Lent starts this coming week. So if you guys want want to be part of that, uh, make sure you join our Patreon today. You can get at it just by going to www.patreon.com backslash thechristianculture. Oh, and the other thing. So the first five people will get that Lenten series. And then also, you get to choose a topic for a... Not private, but a, a small group. So the five of you will get each get an episode that we'll send just to those five people. So yeah. you get extra stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can also find it from our website too. But please, please, please help support us. This kind of stuff takes a lot of equipment and money, and mm-hmm. we are poor missionaries and ministers. So please help us out so we can make better and more content for you guys and if you guys do check that out you can see there's a bunch of other stuff you can get as well so any of our patrons will get extra content so please support us check that out and then the last thing i have for you is if you were on twitter focus which is the fellowship of catholic university students has just uh started asking people what kind of podcasts and youtube channels we want to be at the next seek well, Seek is a massive conference for young adults. So if you are a listener and you want to help us out, please, please, please tweet at focus. I think it's just at focus Catholic, I believe. Check it out. We'll send it in our Twitter. So go find that and tell them that you want us, the Christian culture, to go to Seek twenty twenty one, I believe. Whatever year sure. it is. But yeah, it's it's on their it's on their Twitter go do that let them know so we can we can uh we can get there next year and and hopefully do a live episode with you guys yeah at focus catholic yes i was right Focus catholic so let them know and yeah thanks for joining us on the adventure guys yeah as As always yeah see you next week